Hi guys, it's Real Talk with Tracy. What do I want to talk about today? I want to talk about trying to hold on to the fantasy of having a good family when you don't. And for me, it's really complicated because uh, it's just so complicated. Where do I begin? At 12, my father, who was really my uncle, left my mother. And she was just drinking every day. She was taking all sorts of medication. Um, by that I mean like Percodan and things like this. She was really out of her mind. She would leave sometimes for a week at a time and I'd be alone in this house. In Malibu Lake, all by myself, I'd be really scared. Um, I went through, and I do a podcast on all this, so I really want to get to the point of trying to hold on to the fantasy of family. But what happened when I was 18 is I met my biological father. My biological father who walked away when I was an infant and dumped me and my mother. That's why I was raised by my aunt and uncle. Anyway, he came back into my life mostly because his sister wanted him to meet me and she really wanted to meet me. So my aunt kind of instigated everything and he probably reluctantly was pulled by the ear to have a relationship with me. And we started to have this friendship and I really didn't want to because I knew that he had dumped me. He had put me up for adoption. And I didn't want to go through any more heartache. But at the same time, I had such little family. My aunt that raised me was like nuts. Um, my uncle that raised me was overly, overly, overly critical, demeaning, um, it, that wasn't a good situation either. And so I really felt all alone and by myself. Um, I had been in and out of a foster home. I was really lost. And when he came along, I, I decided I would give it a shot. And we became friends. And over the years, we developed this friendship after I got married, um, he had invited my husband and I on a cruise, which I thought, oh my God, this man really loves me. He just loves me so much. But it was really just to remedy his guilt. It wasn't really out of love. It was so he could say, I took you on vacation. Like, I, I, I shit on you and left you when you were an infant and gave you away and wasn't there all these years but later he could say, well, I took you on a cruise. Okay, so score one for the biological father. He took me on a cruise. So anyway, years go by and we develop this friendship and we're talking on the phone. And, you know, it's mostly about kind of like what he's buying and selling on eBay. Um, what's happening in the news. There's, there's not super depth. Um, he doesn't acknowledge like my birthday. I said to him once, you know, I would love to celebrate your birthday. So even though we don't live near each other, 
you know, I would like to acknowledge your birthday and maybe send you a gift. And I think it would be really nice if this was reciprocal. So I wasn't asking for anything expensive. He could just send me like a $20 gift card. But he was so put off by the idea that he would have to do that. And there were so many signs showing me that he really still just didn't give a shit. That I was just kind of there for him. I was kind of a sounding board for him. Um, I was doing really great in my career. I had a really, and I still do, thank God, I have a really great marriage. He could go on all of his cruises and tell strangers that he met. Oh, my daughter, you know, she travels the world and she works for L'Oreal and, you know, she has this great husband and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, let's go to 2019. In 2019, I go to another state to visit him and I take my sister-in-law um, who had an emergency and had to wind up going back home. But what happened during that trip is I thought I was having a heart attack and I had to go to the emergency hospital. I went to the emergency hospital. They ran all these tests. I met with the cardiologist and the cardiologist said, let's do a CT with contrast because my biological father has all sorts of back and heart problems. And unfortunately, you know, it's genetics. So I wanted to know what was going on. I was really worried. The first day that I checked in to the emergency hospital, which was 10 minutes from his house, it took him seven hours to come see me. And I was like, absolutely in shock. I was like, I cannot believe I spent all this money to come visit him. And he's 10 minutes from the hospital and it took him seven hours. And then he finally came with his wife. They visited with me for a little while. And then the next day, He's calling me, telling me about these parties, these holiday parties he's going to and what he's eating. And they're fasting me. I'm on all sorts of medication. I have a migraine that's like off the charts. I'm still waiting for the CT with contrast, which they put me off for like three or four days, which honestly, I feel like it was kind of intentional to kind of milk my insurance. I, you know what? I can't prove it but it was ridiculous. They kept saying, we're gonna give you the test today, and then, oh no, it's been postponed till tomorrow. And then, oh no, it's been postponed till tomorrow. Okay, so, you know, by the third day, and my sister-in-law had to go home because there was um, an emergency with her mom coming back from Nicaragua. So anyhow, I'm like on the phone with my husband. I am absolutely bawling and crying. Now I've told my husband who had a new job, do not come up because I'm okay. They haven't found that I had had a heart attack, but we were gonna do this test, which is a simple test. And unless there was something majorly wrong, I didn't want him to leave his job and have to come all the ways to another state. But I was really like so depressed, you guys. I was crying and it's not easy for me to cry because I take Prozac. <laughs> I take Prozac for OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, 
and depression. And I've been on it since 1994 and I can't, seem to get off of it. It seems like it's going to be my life. So anyway, it makes it hard to cry. And you have to really be very upset to be on Prozac and have a good cry. So I was just laying there in this bed, sobbing, just sobbing and crying, thinking I spent all this money to fly myself, my sister-in-law, to get a condo, all to see this man that really just doesn't care about me. And it took me all these years. It took me all these years to see clearly how selfish he is, how incredibly selfish. What a narcissist. You know, there was things that he would do and say, and I would just be floored because I think the lens that I look through, which is my rosy colored glasses, I see people through them. And sometimes you don't see people for who they are because it's so painful to see people really for who they are. And there was things that he would say or do um, towards the end of our relationship that were really hurtful. And I always liked being around him because he was more of a neutral person. He wasn't overly critical like my uncle that raised me. And so for me, going to visit them and his wife was really nice. It felt like a normal family situation, which is all I wanted. I just wanted to feel like I belong somewhere, like, you know, somebody claimed me, right? Like I was important in someone's life. And going through this situation was really painful. I remember calling him on the third day and saying, are you going to come see me? And he's like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to come see you. And he wound up at that point coming by himself. And I'm laying in bed crying. And he sits across the room and just kind of stares at me like a stranger. And I said, come over and sit on the bed. I need you to hold my hand. I, I was so distraught between him not coming and showing care and showing worry. The first day he made some kind of snarky comment like, oh, what some people will do for attention. It's like, what the F is that? You know, I mean, when he was in the hospital two years prior and I found out he was in the hospital, I got on a plane and flew up there and spent five days with his wife because he had checked himself out of the hospital and he had to have this procedure that he wasn't going to have. And I said to him, you have three daughters, um, by three different women, by the way. Um, I said, you know, we want you in our life and you're being selfish by checking yourself out of the hospital. So get your ass back in the hospital. I'm getting on a plane and I'm coming up. And I did that because... I loved him and I cared. I wanted to also be there for his wife to be supportive. And 
there was no thought about the money I was spending. There was no thought about anything. I just said to my husband, I got to go. Nick's in the hospital. And <clears throat> I, I, went, I went up. And it's amazing because when I was in the hospital only 10 minutes away, he really didn't seem to care too much. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's just, it's really hurtful. And then I came home and I was still trying to wrap my mind around how he really just does not care. He just does not. And he would like to brag, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a, a frog, a little froggy in my, th in my throat. He would like to brag about how he was going to do this for my sister. Or he was going to do that for the other sister, but he was doing like zero for me. Um, and one of my sisters, he was always bailing her out. So he started talking like, Oh, I'm going to give your sister all this money again. And I said, well, have you told her? And he goes, no. Well, that means that he's just bragging and he's not really going to do anything. And I would say, you know, give with an open hand. And he would say, well, I'm not helping her until she comes to me and asks me. Like he would want her to come begging him for help. That was the only way he would ever help. He couldn't help just to have an open heart and help. It was always like people would have to like come to the king and kiss the ring, right? To get the help. So I really lost it emotionally on the phone with him. I got really upset. And the windup is he just never wanted to talk to me again. He just cut the cord. And he cut the cord, and not only that, but I told him what I really felt about a lot of what he was doing and saying, and I realized that I had so much pent-up anger from all these things in my childhood that I had to go through because of him. I was really hurt because the reality of who he was really hit me smack in the face and I really saw it and my husband said and I, I said to my husband I can't believe this you know I've lost this relationship and he's like what relationship it's like what did you really have like he wouldn't come to visit me I would have to go there to visit him he didn't want to celebrate birthdays. He didn't want to put a gift card or a card in the mail to acknowledge my birthday. And yet, I overlooked all these things because I was so incredibly hungry to have a dad, to have a loving father, to have somebody in my life who was a parent who really saw me who really saw me and I didn't get that I didn't get it and it's hard and it's really hard too because when I was 20 I met my half-sister one of them and she was eight and I just fell crazy in love with her I just thought oh my god this is the most incredible thing I've always wanted a sister and now I have this little sister and you know, I wanted us to grow up and have this like fantasy relationship. And 
I used to take her overnight with me when I used to travel down to where she lived when I was working. And I wanted her to grow up and be very close with me and have this wonderful sisterly loving relationship. And I did a lot of things for her. Um, like when she got her condo, she was saying, you know, I'm kind of short on money. It's like, oh, you know, here's a new, I don't know what I bought her, like a dishwasher, dishwasher or washer dryer. I, I forget what it was, but I was always trying to be helpful because I loved her and I almost felt motherly over her. She had been kind of thrown around in the family back and forth and she had gotten the really short end of the stick as well in a lot of different ways and I wanted to be there for her and I just loved her and it turned out that we do not have that relationship we don't have that loving relationship and unfortunately she has no desire um, to have a relationship with me which is really really hard she has her own issues and her own problems, and she's an adult now. But you guys, it still hurts because this is the person I was gonna like will my money to. This was the person I was going to take on vacation and take to Europe and spoil and lavish all this love on. And unfortunately, she didn't turn out to be the person who I wished her to be. That fantasy, that fantasy of wishing that somebody was different. Instead of really looking at who they are, that empty fantasy of keep wishing them to like be different. And I would say that's my biggest problem when it comes to thinking about family. Um, fortunately for me, and I don't know how I was so blessed to be with an incredible man who is really my best friend. We've been together, it'll be in March, it'll be 39 years. And, you know, statistically, with everything I've been through and all the narcissists in my life and all the abuse and all the neglect and all these things that went on, I should have wound up with somebody who was really screwed up. You know, I remember going to counseling years ago and the counselor said to me, I'm surprised you're not like a heroin addict, like sitting on a corner somewhere, like shooting up, like with everything you've been through, it's amazing that you're so well adjusted. Um, and I probably, if I would have married anybody else I dated, because I really dated a lot of very narcissistic men, um, I was just blessed. I can't even describe how I got so lucky. And we grew up together and grew. And we didn't grow apart. We grew together. We're our own two individual selves but we're each other's best friend. And for that, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. And shouldn't that be enough? Shouldn't that be enough? 
But somewhere in the back of my mind, I held on to this little hope, this little tiny hope that my sister was gonna like change, that my father was going to change, that my uncle who came back into my life a couple times in and out was going to change and just would come into my life and just hurt me. Hurt me incredibly, just hurt me, say horrible things. And he's still trying to get back in, my uncle that raised me. And I just, I don't, I want peace of mind. I, you know, somebody would say like, well, why would you have any of these people in your life? And I said, you know, it's kind of like a, a bowl of fruit that's gone bad. If you ever had like old fruit in a bowl and you turn it over and there's like a lot of mold and problems and then one piece of fruit it's not too bad. Like you feel like you could cut out pieces and like still eat part of it. I would take the least damaged piece of fruit and that would be like the person I would go with in the family. And I would think like, well, they're not as bad as this person. They're not as bad as that person. They're not as abusive as this person. So to me, even though they also were not good for me, they look good in comparison. You see what I'm saying? So anyway, as I get older, next year I'll be 60. And other than my husband and my sister-in-law, on my side, I don't have family. I don't. I don't have family. And... And that's, and that's hard to say because I have like this women's group and we meet for lunch and I have all these great connections with these women. I have some longtime friends. A lot of them have moved out of the area. I have a good friend that moved to Tennessee. I've had friends that have died, many friends that have died. That's really hard. And even though I have all these great connections, when it comes to like Thanksgiving or Christmas and everybody's talking about like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, even if you go to Trader Joe's and you go grocery shopping and the person who's like bagging your groceries, they'll be like, I'm so excited for Thanksgiving. There's going to be a turkey and my mom's making the casserole and you know, all my sisters and brothers are going to be there. And what are you doing? And it's like, um, I guess I'm going to be with my husband and his 95-year-old mom and hopefully my, my sister-in-law. But I feel like uh, it's still not my side of the family, right? There's no my family on my side. There's no big, huge family celebrations. There's no you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 people at the table passing around food and enjoying the moment together. I just didn't get that. And I am not saying throw a pity party for me because I have a great life, but it's hard. It's hard because I somehow want to hold on to that fantasy that like maybe it'll happen but it's not something you could go out and just purchase you know it's not like I wish for a new car so I'm just gonna go buy a new car it's not like that 
And do I have places to go? Yes. Are we invited places? Yes. But is it my family? No. No. So I need to let go of any kind of fantasy of that happening. I was also very afraid to have children because there was so much mental illness on actually there's there's mental illness I want to say probably on both sides but mostly on my mother's side of the family um there's a lot of mental illness and I was frankly very afraid to have kids I was afraid to make my own family because once it comes out how do you put it back what if I gave birth to someone who was like my aunt that raised me who was a terror you know, who I ran away from, who I went in a foster home to get away from, you know, um, a very abusive, delusional, drunk, horrible person who luckily was kind to me until I was about 12 years old. And then after her nervous breakdown, snapped and completely changed. She still had a lot of hangups before then, but things really went downhill after I was 12. So I don't know where I'm going with this. I guess we just all have to look at the reality and just be so thankful of what we have. So thankful of those moments that we get with special friends, with if we have a wonderful spouse, our spouse, um, and not all of us get everything, you know, and it's okay. I want it to be okay. Um, it's going to be almost 40 years. This is going to be the first time I have not called my sister to wish her a happy birthday, my half sister, because I've called her the last few years to wish her a happy birthday and she doesn't acknowledge the call. She doesn't call me back. Um, she has just zero interest in, um, in conversing with me, probably because I put a little pressure on her to engage, you know, to have conversations, to try to have a normal relationship, which we just don't have. And this is going to be the first year that I really, it's like, why, why should I put myself through it? Why should I reach out and try to say happy birthday you know, I wish I could take her out for lunch and get her, you know, gifts and spoil her and everything. She's not the same little girl I met when I was 20 and she was eight. She's not. She's a grown woman and she's a different person. And she has a right to not want a relationship. You know, although it saddens me because I really thought, you know, this would be the person who... I would be doing all these things with. Um, just like my very, very, very good friend that lives in Pacifica that has Alzheimer's. You know, I envisioned us getting older and going on all these trips and spending time together and traveling. And this is how we were going to spend our retirement. And she has Alzheimer's. And she's at the end stages of Alzheimer's. And she's probably... I think 67 or 68 now, and it kills me. It kills me that she
she won't be able to do all these things that I dreamed of doing with her. She just won't. So, um, my goal is to cut the fantasy wishing for myself. Just look at really what is and accept what is and be blessed and happy with what I do have and to not worry about what I don't have. And I'm being very vulnerable and I'm being very open. And the reason why I share this with you is that some of you are knocking your head against the wall over and over and over. And you're asking yourself, why does my head hurt? And it's because you keep slamming your head into the wall thinking it's gonna be a pillow. It's a wall, it's not a pillow. And so I think it's important moving forward that we're realistic with who people are. People show us who they are and we need to listen. We need to listen. We need to listen and not think, oh, but not me. I remember I had a friend who was always talking about all these other friends she was blowing off. And she was a very narcissistic person. And she's like, oh, I blew off this friend. Like, I just got sick of her and I blew her off. Okay, this was somebody who lived near me. That's why we were friends. Um, and I thought to myself, well, that will never happen to me because I'm this great, wonderful person. You know, I'm, I'm a fantastic person. She's never going to blow me off. But she eventually did because that's what she does. That's what she does. It's like when I got downsized at L'Oreal after being there for 18 years, I was doing an incredible job for them. And I saw other people getting laid off and I thought to myself, oh, well, that won't happen to me. You know, like I'm immune from it. Like that won't happen to me. And then one day it happened. I got laid off too. You know, um, one of the reasons I quit smoking was I saw people getting cancer and emphysema and dying. And I thought, you know, I need to stop this fantasy thinking of that's not going to happen to me. That could happen to me. That could happen to anybody. You know, we're all going to die. We're all born. We all live and we all pass away. And I think dealing with reality is really super important. And so I don't hold anger um, towards anybody, what I want to do is release all of it and just send everybody love. I keep everybody in my prayers, even if somebody's not in my life or even if they've done me wrong, I wish them well. And that's a hard thing to do. Oh my God, that's hard to do. And it's hard to not feel rejected because everybody doesn't love me. Most people do. <laughs> Most people do. But just because everybody doesn't love me, that's okay. That's okay. That doesn't mean I'm less of a person. I know who I am. And it's taken me years and years and years to get to this spot. So if you're feeling badly because someone in your family is mistreating you, not acknowledging you, um, really look and listen to who they tell you they are because they will tell you. 
They will tell you and you need acceptance. You need to accept it. You need to accept it and, and you need to realize you can't change it. It's not your fault. You can't jump higher. You can't be thinner. You can't be cuter. You can't be richer. You can't earn them back, especially with people who are narcissistic. Narcissists, you know, once they don't need you anymore, will just discard you. Um, and that's it. It's very cut and dry. And it's hard. It's hard to deal with. But you really need every day to look at reality and live your life accordingly. I think this has been the longest podcast I've done. Um, I'm sending all of you guys lots of love and hugs and I wish all of you really well. Those of you who do have that great incredible family <clears throat> like on the Hallmark commercials, oh my god you're so blessed. Really embrace them. Really appreciate it. At all of the holidays, realize that not all of us have that. And if you have that, it is such an incredible gift. And I'm happy for you, truly. Um, so thankful to God for my spouse, my good friends in my life, the life that I've gone through, even with all the pain, even with all the ups and downs, it's taught me so much. And... Thank you for letting me share my podcast with you. I also have a podcast and most of it is much lighter than I do. Um, I mean, I also have a YouTube channel, which is called Hi Guys Real Talk with Tracy, which I would love for you to go on YouTube and subscribe to. I do a lot of funny stuff on there. It's not as heavy and serious as some of the things I'm talking about on here. But I would love for you to also be part of that. So wishing you a fantastic day. And again, open your eyes. If someone pinches you and it hurts, realize that you can walk away. You don't have to stand there and hurt. You have the choice to remove yourself from the situation. And it's okay. Put yourself first. All right. Love you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.